We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Hi, I'm Jerry Boyer. Welcome to Meeting of Minds podcast. My guest today is Tom Strobar. Tom is a financial advisor. He's a financial professional with decades um, in the industry. Um, But we've brought him here for a different purpose. Uh, In addition to his day job of helping clients manage money and helping them realize their financial goals, he's taken responsibility long before anybody else was that, that I can think of in witnessing to a biblical worldview and the Christian moral code in corporate America from the standpoint of using the authority that he has as a shareholder. Um, And this goes back even into the late 80s. While the rest of us were asleep at the wheel thinking corporations were just fine and didn't need our influence, Tom Strobar was highly engaged. So first of all, Tom, welcome to the program. Thanks for joining us. It's great to be here, Jerry. I appreciate it. All right. So this started for you, I think you said, in 1989? Eighty-nine, yeah, that's when I first kind of literally stepped out on the pro-life issue, just because of a you know, an abortion clinic not far from my backyard. So uh, I didn't like it. Well, it's a thing not to like. Um, so how did that translate? And, and we've seen it, and you know, we've you've uh, protested, and I've protested. How did this turn into something having to do with publicly traded corporations and your leverage as a shareholder? Well, I'm, I'm in the investment business. I, I do a lot of, had done a lot of individual stocks, uh, had been involved in, in what makes those companies tick. I'd been involved in various shareholder suits. And, uh, I, you know, I would pick, pick it, or as I say, witness. Uh, and you never know what effect you have. I mean, it's, you know, no one ever came out and said, thanks for being here. I'm not going to have an abortion. I never had anything like that. But I, you know, was reading uh, a Business Week magazine about Pillsbury was giving thousands of dollars to Planned Parenthood and also noting in the article how they'd gotten thousands of letters of people protesting their contributions to Planned Parenthood. And of course, some of them, you know, added, we're not going to buy your cookie dough or whatever Pillsbury made, et cetera. And I got to thinking about this, that this was really harmful to shareholders and charitable contributions are designed to create goodwill but giving money to Planned Parenthood was creating just the opposite, bad will. And as a shareholder, I thought this might be a legitimate concern. Uh, and I went to uh, a local attorney. I mean, actually, I went to three local attorneys and no one represented me in, in, in my city. And, and these were pro bono work. No one wanted to touch me. So I contacted a guy in uh, New York uh, who I don't think shared my views, but he, he agreed that this this potentially a challengeable kind of uh, activity on the part of these corporations. They don't have to give money to anybody and it's supposed to help. And here it's hurting. And that really got me started where I started looking at scores of companies that unfortunately were giving money to Planned Parenthood and have, you know, 30 plus years down the road, we've had actually 350 companies, some of them small ones. Who no who once gave to Planned Parenthood and no longer do. Wow, three hundred and fifty companies. Yeah, now some are that like, you were involved. Were you involved with all three hundred and fifty? Well, that's no, I, no. 
I'm going to give the credit to Life Decisions International. You know, some of them like, you know, local car dealers that were giving mm-hmm. money to Planned Parenthood. And we contact them, or I should say Doug Scott contacted them. Uh, I, you know, There's another unsung but, hero, Doug Scott yeah. Yeah, from Life Decisions. I, I concentrated more on the shareholder resolutions with major corporations where I would file and uh, you know answer their legal objections and show up at their meetings or get somebody else to show up for me if it's you know distant enough or what have you and um, you know give them a hard time on the issue that 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 I cared and obviously I wasn't the only one who cared about uh, unborn human life by the way uh, tens of millions if not hundreds of millions of Americans share those feelings. How many companies would you say you were direct? Now you're involved with Life Decisions International, so indirectly that, that. But but in terms of your work as a shareholder, how many companies would you say you've had an impact on? Some it's hard to judge. Um, I don't know, maybe a score, twenty or more. I don't know that. that or I, I think where I can maybe walk back and think that mm. yeah, I might have had some real influence here. And usually they don't send me a, a thank you note for bugging them and giving them a hard time, but if if the fruits are there, then, you know, I, I may have had some, you know, uh, impact on them. Yes. Well, there, there's some grown young men and women out there who don't know who owe you thanks. So in heaven, you know, when they in the beatific vision, when they'll find out that you helped defund um, their, their, what would have been their abortion, uh, then uh, I think there'll probably be a tearful hug and a thank you then. Well, we'll see. I'm enjoying it. I have fun, you know, bugging these companies because they're they've got lots more money than I do. Yes, and it is a, a David and Goliath kind of thing, and it's it, it's fun. Yeah, you can make them have to outspend you a hundred to one. You know, I just I just kind of making an observation. They they thought, and often they still do, that this is reputationally enhancing. And what I've noticed, like say here in Western Pennsylvania. Um, where Elsie Hillman was for a long time the Republican National Committee woman, uh, very strongly pro-abortion, that in the social hierarchy, you know, the scene column crowd, there's a point at which, as you're getting towards the top, Planned Parenthood becomes the inner ring, um, frequently for the wives of the executive, that as you're kind of rising and you're getting invited to the right dinner party and then it's are you kind of clubbable in this way or are you that way, as you're getting towards the top, you cannot reach the social pinnacle um, of the charitable status hierarchy unless you are in some ways signing on to that inner ring of the Planned Parenthood board or the Planned Parenthood fundraising circle. So it must seem reputationally enhancing if everybody wants, if everybody you know, if all the scene column crowd wants is is thinking of supporting abortion as your ticket to the top of the social pinnacle, then it must seem like like a, um, an, an enhancement of status for the corporation. And so the CEO is talked into it when, in fact, at the grassroots level, at the customer level, and probably at the shareholder level, it's viewed very differently. Yeah, that's true. They 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 kind of look at each other and say, well, aren't, aren't you, uh, quotes, pro-choice? Well, yeah, so let's, you know, then we better say something. We better do something. We better give money to Planned Parenthood, ignoring the fact that, you know, whatever, depending on the size of the company, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of employees, and not, not to mention tens, potentially tens of millions of their customers are pro-life, some more than others, but certainly, you know, large numbers are pro-life. So why get involved in the fight at all? Because they don't know pro-lifers. None of their friends are pro-life. 
it, that's some distant, weird species of people in the deep south or something, uh, or backward Catholic grandmothers. You know, those are the only pro-lifers. Everybody who's anybody understands we need reproductive choice. So essentially, it's their social isolation, I think, that causes them to misunderstand that they are vastly increasing reputational risk when they give money to Planned Parenthood. Yeah, and I hope I hope they, you know, that's what the, the takeaway when I'm trying to challenge these companies at the very least, hey, there are real people out there that don't like this. And the shareholder resolution is one that forces them to confront it in a public way. And I think that's kind of the beauty of the whole thing. Yeah, and I think people aren't clear about this. Shareholders resolu- resolutions are, they, they have to do it. In other <laughs> words, I mean, you have a legal right as a shareholder if you have a certain amount of money. And you're thinking, oh, that's only millionaires. no. $2,000 over three years, and you're qualified. And they'll try to block it with the SEC. But if that doesn't work, they legally have to put your, your proposal on the ballot. And then you legally have a right to make a public statement, typically three minutes, in favor of it. So there's a lot of power in being a shareholder. If we would only use it. I, I think we didn't use it because we didn't know we had the power. But the other side knows they have the power. And they've hyper-organized and, and used it uh, well and beyond their... Uh, proportion of the population yeah the the other the other side will file hundreds of shareholder resolutions this year and every year mostly again on liberal social issues i don't i don't dismiss them some are more important than others but they really don't uh touch on really uh, what the fundamental human rights issue of our time and that's you know will we or will we not kill our unborn children hmm. so pillsbury went the right way i mean it worked with right. pillsbury okay how, who else went the right way? Who, who else were you able to? Oh, uh, General Mills. Uh, they had been giving consistently, and I showed up their annual meeting in 1999. And uh, this is actually held at the Children's Theater in Minneapolis. And actually on their board was the chairman of Target Stores, also headquartered in Minneapolis. And uh, after I gave my little address to the shareholders and the management, et cetera, you know, half the audience was giving me applause, which is, these are very scripted events. Yes. They're designed to make everybody think the, the management is on high. And uh, within, within a month's time, they were telling people, no, we're not going to give money to Planned Parenthood anymore. No, it had nothing to do with the, the resolution or anything. We're just, we're focusing on other areas. And the next year I decided to go after Target because they were giving money to uh, Planned Parenthood, filed a resolution with them. They said, oh, haven't you heard? We're not giving money to Planned Parenthood. I said, no, I haven't. If you put that in writing, I'll withdraw the resolution. They did, and I withdrew the resolution. And those were two, you know, kind of bang, bang, right together. Uh, And Now, if we could just get Target to stop banning books that are skeptical about sexual reassignment uh, for minors, then we make some real progress with Target. But I'm glad they're not supporting Planned Parenthood. I mean, that's a step in the right direction. I'm glad, but they are one of the most liberal, and I've had other ones challenging them on issues regarding sexual orientation. And to this day, they do discriminate in their preferred vendor program on the basis of race, sex, uh, sexual orientation. uh, That, as I said, if you did this at your cash register, there would be riots. Yes. Uh, So uh, there's other work. Besides pro-life things that, that conservatives could and should address, but you know, I've, I've talked a lot to Target over the over the couple of years, and what happened is several years ago, there was a CEO who gave money um, to I think it was a politician who was skeptical of the LGBTQ agenda, right. and right. they targeted Target, went after them hard, 
and essentially Target is was cowed ever since that having having given a little bit of money to a conservative politician, I think it was a conservative CEO, they have now completely reversed and now they have to count, they have to atone for their sin of being, you know, of being, of giving money to a conservative. And so they are the most, probably the most subservient major American corporation to that agenda, uh, precisely because they had, because they were just beaten into submission. So now they have like, and such a negative SNR bond that anything L- anything LGBTQ, yes, don't we don't even need to know the details. We're on board, um, which is uh, which is really a shame to see. Yeah, it's quite accurate. You're very perceptive. I mean, Target is certainly one of the most liberal. And as I cited uh, them, if, if they added a checkout counter where they're asking people what kind of sex they enjoy, and if you get you get the right answer, you get five percent off. Uh, there'd be riots. But that's what they do every day when they choose vendors who they buy and, you know, uh, their supplies and other things from. And that's just another aspect of right. liberalism gone, gone crazy. Right. And they do it with the content provision of books. But I asked them, you, you, banned, you banned a book, Deborah So's book, for example, Abigail Schreier's book, um, because it was skeptical about sexual reassignment for minors. Um, well, we don't want to do anything harmful. We have a policy. And I asked them repeatedly, can you give an example of a single book that you have excluded from a liberal point of view using these standards? In other words, I see that you've used a harmfulness standard, which is, of course, very subjective. So you think it's harmful to say 16-year-olds, 15-year-olds hold off on the chemical castration you know, uh, until you're a grown up and you can think about this more clearly. You think that's harmful. Is there anything coming from the left side that you think is harmful? And they could not give a single example because it was never about harmfulness. It was about kowtowing to a specific interest group that had essentially humiliated them and essentially owns them. All right. Now, I, I, want, to, I want to talk about Chevron because that's a biggie. And you were involved with getting Chevron. You mentioned AT&T, um, which, by the way, still isn't giving. I checked. They're still not giving the Planned Parenthood. So well done. That lasted a long time. Tell me the story of your involvement with Chevron and Planned Parenthood funding. <clears throat> Well, Chevron was giving uh, $26,000 a year to some sort of Planned Parenthood uh, cause, if you will, or at least they thought they were. The money was certainly going there. And I decided uh, to file a shareholder resolution and kind of you know, bring it home to them that people do oppose this. And I worked with a gentleman out of California, Greg Cunningham, who specializes in graphic pictures of aborted children. That's one of his ways of calling attention to this issue. And want to know if I would do it. And I thought, well, I never did it that way before. But I thought, why not? Let's let's go for it. And, um, you know, I filed a resolution. I had three, I think, three phone calls with a couple attorneys at a time asking me not to, you know, please don't come. And, you know, you know, we're, we're think, rethinking our Planned Parenthood issue. But, you know, I said, well, I'm going to come. And which for me, it was, you know, it's a travel day out. The day the, the meeting and travel day back in three days of time, a little bit, you know, a few of my dimes. But I went and I had a banner with a severed head of an unborn child on one side, courtesy of Planned Parenthood, and a severed head of a full grown adult, full grown human being on the other side, courtesy of ISIS. And I <laughs> stuffed it in my pants behind my sport coat because they took all my papers, they took my cell phone, uh, they put me in a special section where the proponents, shareholder proponents uh, sat, 
And when my time came, I got up and I helped, you know, unfold the banner. It's like, you know, 36, 40 inches long, a uh, foot high, held it up high for everybody at the, at the annual meeting to see and said, this, this is what we're giving money to. This is what Planned Parenthood does. And this is a very disturbing picture. We're all adults here. You've seen similar things like this before, but that's what our charitable dollars are going to do. And um, when was this? What year? This is five years ago. Okay, five years ago. Got it. Yep. And, uh, uh, you know, the chairman acknowledged it. Well, we have somebody here who doesn't like where our charitable contributions are going. And normally after an annual meeting, then there's a board meeting, which you probably had a few dis discussions about the resolution, et cetera. And uh, they never gave again. And within months, uh, they were answering my own emails saying that we have no intention to give money to Planned Parenthood in the future. And to my knowledge, have not given other than maybe a, a matching gift here and there. I'm not really sure about that. But they essentially stopped. And it was smart. It was silly in some sense to take at that time. I've been in annual meetings. Uh, I was at American Express annual meeting and they were, they were only given $5,000. I'm not going to, you know, but the, the, the guy up there, they, you know, they had hundreds of billions in revenues and he knew about this issue. And I'm like, you know, I bet no one walks into his office unless it's an eight figure dollar amount decision. Hmm. And here he's worried about a $5,000 contribution. Well, they never gave again. And just by coincidence, I showed up uh, about eight or nine years later on the marriage issue. And I, my correspondence is usually with their uh, head legal counsel. And, and these are scripted events. I said, you know, uh, where would you like me to sit? And he goes, well, I think the last time, and he pointed to it, and he said, you just sat right up over there. And I'm like, you know, he actually remembered eight years ago where I sat. You, you left an impression. I left an impression. I said, well, then I'll sit there again. Which company was this? This is American Express Got it. in okay. New York City. And uh, uh, Harvey Gold was chairman, and Ken Chenault was chairman the second time. And uh, I kind of felt sorry for his legal counsel. He gave me a big smile when I first showed up, offered me a bagel and coffee. Mm -hmm. He gave me a very dirty look on the way out. <laughs> so uh, that was kind of fun. Well, blessed are you when men revile you um, for my <laughs> sake. Um, so, so on Chevron, you showed up, you did it. They And then what was their response? They didn't want you to show up. They don't want you to show up and they don't want the resolutions. So did it, did it work? Did they stop giving money to Planned Parenthood? Yeah, they did. I mean, they spent a lot of time and money. I mean, I got, you know, pages and pages why I shouldn't be allowed at their meeting. But the SEC, uh, you know, disagreed and said, no, you got to let Tom Strobar show up. And, you know, it was heavily policed event and cars weren't allowed near it. And it was, uh, you know, just really they were on edge. I don't know if they were always like that, but, you know, like they, they took my phone, they took my paperwork and uh but i got in there and you know gave my two cents and uh you know thereafter they haven't given many and i got uh email and i kept copies of them that, that they were had no plans to give money to planned parenthood and they, and they haven't so i think they saw the light and uh that's good or they felt the heat better if they see the light but the heat is a back is the backup plan um Right. Because it's, if it's no longer a feel-good grant, if there's pain associated with it, then, you know, they, they find other things to do with their money that, that aren't controversial. By the way, when you were doing this, were there other people involved, um, not just Chevron, but in general? Uh, I mean, I, I have the impression that a lot of this you were doing kind of like the only person in the room with your point of view or the only person kind of engaged with your point of view. Am I right about that? 
Yeah, yeah. I, I assume other people in the room shared my view, but the only, I was the only one that I know of engaged and certainly engaged enough to get up and, and, and express these kinds of issues and using a technique that liberal liberal groups use all the time. And that's, you know, I copy some of their, their wording, but yeah, no, I, you know, it was pretty much on my own, but it, it really only takes one person to do it. I mean, anybody, as I say, anybody can do it steal my ideas. They're very simple. Uh, it takes a little work and I guess a little bit of technical you know, expertise, but uh, you know, I'm not the smartest guy in the world uh, and, and I get on. I'm not sure this is a smarts game. I think this might be a guts game. Um, I mean, being willing to stand in a room holding up that photo of a, of a you know, a, 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 a decapitated baby, decapitated, um, you know, ma- adult, um, there's it's it's mostly a courage thing i think that's i think that's the real burden for people and also caring enough to just like work through that system that's not designed to make it easy for you which by the way is an interesting aside a lot of these big corporations were just like losing their heads when some states were saying maybe you ha- should have to have voter id maybe you should have to show your id before you can vote okay i don't know whether those laws are a good idea or not but these same companies, when you want to show up at an annual meeting or when you want to vote or when you want to put a proposal forward, you have to prove who you are, security clearance. So I, <laughs> they make it really hard for you to vote in the annual meeting of the companies that are saying we shouldn't make it hard for people to vote. You know, uh, we shouldn't uh, have, have any burden on people who are voting in politics which decides who holds the nuclear codes. Uh, so it's really right. kind of a hypocrisy here, how tight they are with the franchise when it comes to their own citizens, their shareholder citizens, but how easy they are with just saying, oh, just everybody vote. Don't don't worry about accuracy. I will say uh, I did show up at the Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting, yeah. which has 20,000 people that show up for that. Yes. And is run by Warren Buffett. And uh, actually the, the first year I worked with a uh, Steve Mosier of the Population Research Institute on a shareholder resolution. The next year, I, in between time, and the next year I showed up, and Berkshire Hathaway not only discontinued giving money to Planned Parenthood, Warren Buffett, I think, saw the, the problems inherent in this. He canceled his whole charitable giving program. So that was you. I wondered if you were the guy who got that ball started because I thought he handled it very well. It's like, this is shareholder money. We're going to give you a dividend. And you can give your dividend to Planned Parenthood or you can give that's your correct. dividend, uh, you know, pro-life centers. You can give your that's up to you because it's your money. I, I, I mean, I thought he handled that very well. And I had a feeling that maybe you were the the trigger for that. Yeah, the New York Times blamed me. And I, as I said, well, to myself, Mr. Buffett decided on his own. I think that I did have an article published in The Wall Street Journal. Mr. Buffett owned one third of the company, but two thirds of the charitable contributions were going to his private foundation, hmm. uh, which obviously the disparity there was abusive, et cetera, to shareholders. And I think that's other reasons o- over and above, shall we say, but uh, he didn't like the, the article in the Wall Street Journal because he's, you know, people bow down to this guy and it really made him look bad and selfish. I mean, he notoriously only takes a hundred grand uh, income, but he was sending ten million dollars of Berkshire Hathaway money to the something called the Buffett Foundation uh, every year. Right, so, and, and yeah. he loves Planned Parenthood. I mean, if you read the guy's biography, going back to Susan Thompson, became Susan Buffett. Buffett. They 
are super into population control and super into Planned Parenthood. Uh, Buffett Foundation is one of the few foundations that doesn't just give to the cause, but it actually buys abortion equipment for, you know, uh, let's say rural abortion clinics, um, you know, like rural southern abortion clinics that can't afford. I mean, a lot of the pro-choice, you know, groups won't even touch that. They don't want to actually fund, directly fund abortions. And they're like, no, we're directly going to fund your abortion. You can't kill enough babies in your little town. We're going to buy them. We're going to buy the equipment. So, I mean, the, the, uh, the Buffett dynasty has a love affair with Planned Parenthood. So it's all the more powerful that he was willing to live up to his ownership orientation investment philosophy and say, wait a minute, this is shareholder money. It shouldn't be used for, even, even, I, even if I think Planned Parenthood is great, that's my cause, not theirs. Yeah, no, it's kind of fun, and it's kind of interesting. And uh, yeah, you're right. As I, as I, you know, he was funding abortion before abortion was cool, and um, you know, persists to this day. His only philanthropic interest, ninety eight percent of his, is population control, including funding, training of abortionists, et cetera, et cetera. He's super hardcore, uh, despite otherwise. I respect his financial acumen and, and kind of his own personal traits, but, you know, he's clearly a very, very pro-abort person. Well, the, the wife talked him into that. Could you, be. You read the biography, the, what is it, the snowball effect, that that came, she, he was raised conservative. He was raised by a conservative Christian family. Um, and the, he was a suitor and he switched over to her side um, and stayed there even after her death. So um, that's interesting. By the way, were you the one who got Howard Schultz ticked off on the abortion, not on the abortion, on the marriage issue? Yeah, yeah, I did. I, I was uh, actually working as consultant National Organization for Marriage at the time, and, and we showed up a couple times, and I presented the resolution, et cetera. It was, it was fun because he was really upset, and I, I you know, was trying to bother him, and, and, and uh, you know, the fact that they didn't, didn't even think about the uh, the fact that they were supporting gay marriage, and, you know, why wouldn't we? You know, as if like I don't care what kind, you know, just like abortion. Everyone I know is in favor of it. Who are you? Yeah, and all right thinking people must be be in favor of it. But no, he was visibly uh, uh, disturbed in some sense at the annual meeting when I when we had a little chat, shall we say? As I recall, he said, um, "If you're against gay marriage, I don't want you to own shares in Starbucks." Yeah, he invited me to he invited me to sell shares, which technically he's not supposed to do. He's supposed to encourage people to buy shares. Of course, he is. Yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, yeah, he, you know, that was one of his responsibilities. Like, you don't like it, you know, you can sell your shares. Also, and, you know, my thought about this is, you went public, didn't you? I mean, you know, Starbucks is no longer a privately held corporation. So at the moment, that turned you into a billionaire, right? It was a huge <laughs> influx of capital. The price of that is you no longer get to decide who owns shares. That's what a publicly traded corporation is. You can't fire shareholders. The only way to fire shareholders is to buy them out and take it private again and spend your fortune that way. Until then, really, it's none of your business who owns your shares or not. You have no authority over them. They have authority over you. When he said that, that really ticked me off. And I had a, and, and it's interesting to find out that was, you know, that was, that was you. Um, so do you feel like, now things have changed. Like, like I said, you were alone on a lot of this stuff. But there, there was another guy, Justin Danhoff, who was doing things not nearly as long. He's a younger guy, um, uh, and he's doing more recently. 
Do you have a feeling like things have changed now? And so people who believe in the traditional moral code are now fully aware and awake and now ready. Now, of course, their initial response is, oh, I'm just going to sell the company. I don't like what Coca-Cola said, so I'm going to sell it. But what I find is when you tell them, sure, you can sell it, but you could you could go to the annual meeting. You could log on. You could ask a question. You could vote against the board of directors. Oh, I didn't know I could do that. Yeah, I want to do that. You know, that's not a retreat. That's, you know, I want D-Day. I don't want, I don't want Dunkirk. I want D-Day. Um, so are you finding that there's been a sea change now where people who believe in the, essentially the biblical Christian moral code now really do want to start engaging and making a difference? Yeah, I think so. I think that, you know, there's, you know, when I started, there were no pro-life mutual funds. Now there's 30, you know, there, and there's groups like Kingdom Advisors and National Association of Christian Financial Consultants and others who take this more seriously, some more than others who are members. Yeah. But I, I, I do think there's much more interest in because one, it, 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 it works. And the liberals have co-opted this as if they're the only voice on the planet. And it's time for conservative, conservative voices, people believe in traditional values to start standing up and literally saying things, you know, uh, that at these annual meetings, you know, but you can't do it if you don't own. own So some of these groups you've mentioned, some of these groups sell it all. And so they lose their authority, but some of the newer groups are saying, no, no, we'll own and we'll use the authority. Um, You see, I mean, to me, there's a pretty big difference. Um, Like you couldn't do it unless you were a Starbucks shareholder. You couldn't do it unless yeah. you were an ATT shareholder. You see what I mean? Right. Yeah. That's that's right. You know, yes, I did. I, I, you know, I've made money on some of them. Some of them I haven't. I don't really pay any attention to it. It's not that big a deal. Uh, the real rub is, is in my purpose is to get in front of those folks. So, you know, I think there is a difference between owning a necessary amount and, uh, and, and trying to do something. But it is important to try to do something. And uh, anybody can do it. And, of course, the financial institutions, maybe some of these pro-life mutual funds might. I haven't really seen much activity. I think sometimes they, they've got their hands full and because uh, uh, it does take a little bit of time. But I, I think things are growing. I'm, I'm encouraged. And, uh, you know, now with the, the recent Supreme Court decision, uh, there's going to be a lot more activity at the corporate level. What I want to know is these groups, are they voting? Um, what I want to know about the screeners, I'm fine with screening. If you're like Ave Maria or whatever, Timothy, if you have a conscience issue, absolutely screen it out. But you can never screen out all the sin because it's human, fallen human nature, right? Original sin. So are they actually engaging? It's an interesting question. Um, you know, I'm not hearing from them. I'm hearing mostly we don't touch the unclean company that has the gay pride day. All right, fine. Um, we are touching it because I think that's the Jesus example. He touches the bleeding woman. He touches the dead girl. He touches the unclean thing um, because he's trying to transform it. So what I want to know is, are they engaging? And what I'm seeing is that's more come. I'm not seeing so much of that coming from the funds. I'm seeing that more from the advisors and the individual investors who are saying, wait a minute, I want to make a difference. I, I no longer feel good enough by saying I don't own it. I'm the world's going to hell in a handbasket and I want to grab the handbasket. Um, and try to be an influence. And that's the shift that I'm seeing. But we'll see. Maybe I, maybe I just because I want it to be true, I'm predicting that it's true. So I think we'll probably see this year. Yeah, I hope so. Heretofore, here the, 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 the pro-life mutual funds have not engaged much in corporate activism. That's a simple fact. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, I'd say that's true. The whole world of sin screening, moral screening, 
they think they've kind of done the job just by screening out the highly conspicuous examples because you can't screen it all out. Like you right. say, some of these have matching gifts to Planned Parenthood. So you, you can't screen out of this one particular person who says, not, not one penny for abortion. You cannot possibly, you know, uh, construct a portfolio where you're guaranteeing not one penny for abortion. But if there is a penny, and probably if there's a penny, there's a pound, as they say, get in there and say, why? No more. You, you, what are you doing? You're killing future customers. How can this be? I mean, look at the story of Toys R Us. Toys R Us is bankrupt. And in their bankruptcy statement, you know what they said? They said it was demographic trends, not a a dropping fertility rate. Now, Toys R Us had a decision when it was revealed that the Susan Coleman Foundation was giving money to Planned Parenthood. Coleman said, we're not going to give money to Planned Parenthood anymore. And then they reversed and they said, we are going to give money to Planned Parenthood. And Toys R Us said, and we're going to keep giving money to Susan Coleman, even though they give to Planned Parenthood. So this is a company that was funding abortions, a toy company. I mean, just at the pure mammon level, talk about a conflict of interest. And they even admitted, a, you know, fertility rate. Well, you know, we have a 20% abortion rate in this country. Would you be better off if there were 20% more children born into the world, toy company? Of course you would. So um, craziness. Yeah. So you know what, whether the funds catch up or not, that, you know, you're going to do your thing. I'm going to do my thing. And I think in the, the investors themselves, it's their money. Ultimately, they're the ones who have the influence. Okay. So what do you see coming? I see us doing a lot more of this. I see a lot more abortion resolutions because they lost before the Supreme Court. Deo gratias, Roe versus Wade is reversed. So now where they lose in state legislatures and lose in the courts, I think they're going to try to win now in um, proxy, in the proxy process. Yeah, I'm sure they're going to try. And I think maybe, well, you know, I'm going to try on the other side here. I don't have the resources that uh, all these uh, liberal groups do, but all these corporations that are going out of their way to say, oh, yeah, we'll pay for travel expenses for abortion, et cetera, et cetera. Just, you know, oh, I don't know if we can do business in this state anymore. I mean, just kind of silly things uh, when you think about it. And this this can affect more than a small fraction of their employees. And by the way, some of them are obviously quite pleased that we're finally trying to protect uh, unborn human life. So it, it's, it's going to be a fruitful area. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to do some uh, on, on that this year for sure. And you got to think about the 10 year it takes for them to make the argument. It's bad for business because of maternity leave. So these are liberals <laughs> who now are saying maternity leave is a little too expensive. You know, we really can't afford to have these, I mean, they've been pushing maternity leave and paternity leave and maybe grandparents should get leave and uncles and aunts, everyone should get leave, you know, um, when they're in control. It's like, oh, but if a woman has a baby who wasn't going to have the baby, that's a that's maternity leave and there's medical costs. So they're nickel and diming. They're asking these companies to nickel and dime with these pro-life states because of the cost of maternity leave. I mean, did they did they even know how they sound when they make an argument like that? Yeah, it's often very contradictory, and the abortion thing just kind of highlights some of the the craziness that people will do to, you know, to uh, for the right to uh, take the life of their unborn kids. And also, they're making the argument about worker shortages. Probably the most right. You see the well, we kill workers so we don't have worker shortages. But if you think, if you look at the demographics, look at New York, probably the most pro-abortion state in in America in terms of policy. Up to up until birth, that's that's the law. It's unbelievable. 
they're hemorrhaging population like crazy. Um, what's growing? South, Midwest. These are the growing states. Mm-hmm. Pro-life states are, are net population inflow states. And in many cases, people are fleeing the Jerseys, New Yorks, Illinois, uh, and Californias even. So the idea that being a pro-life state makes you have a worker shortage problem is ignoring the actual demographic shift. People are going to where they're more free. Yeah, good point. Yeah. yeah. All right, Tom, anything else you want to say? I've, I just, I've just admired the work you've done from afar, and I've, I've, I really appreciate you coming here and talking to us about it. Anything that we didn't cover that you want to cover that uh, I should have no, asked I'm just you about? Real, I appreciate your interest. I, I think I, I encourage, I mean, I think, you know, uh, we all have work to do in our life. This is obviously some part of mine. And, you know, I'm going to do as much as I can, as long as I can. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, enthused about doing pro-life work. Me too. Yeah, so am I. I'm very I'm I'm really optimistic about the future. I'm really looking forward to this coming year. Um and 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 maybe coordinating with you uh if you're willing sharing sure. some of your expertise with us because y- y- there are they have a lot of tricks in their toolbox and you've seen them all. I've seen a few of them. The way they play with dates or the way they try to do no action letter ordinary business rules. You've seen them all. Um and I would I, I would love to have your help. Um, and I'm very optimistic about a pro-life future because God is sovereign. Tom Strobar, thank you so much for being with us on Meeting of Minds. Most welcome. Thank you. God bless and Godspeed to you and your work. Thank you.